A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At Bluenile.com, you can design a one of a kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Welcome to Big Squid. My name is Justin Hamilton. And in this episode... Good pal and regular ink blotter, Ben Elwood is back to help me rummage through issue nine or chapter nine of the Watchmen graphic novel. Uh, I'm recording this a few days uh, just after the finale and to be honest I'm still buzzing while I think about the ending. Even now I'm buzzing and uh, you know what I re-listened to the uh, the, the podcast that covered the finale, and uh, boy, I sounded tired towards the end, didn't I? I apologise for that, but uh, it was a long day. It started at 9am, and I think I finished producing that uh, podcast at something like one thirty or 2am, or something insane like that, and you can uh, hear me slowly <laughs> unravelling as well, so... Uh, but I had a really good day. I had a really good time doing that. Uh, I loved watching the ending and then having Ben and Rove come over. And at first they were very generous uh, visitors and then it felt like a hostage situation. But either way, I had a good time. And I've been thinking about the ending a lot. And of course I would love another season from Lindelof and this team that he has working on it. But uh, if this is all we get, I'm pretty content as well. You know, um, uh, I've got all these continuing adventures that are occurring in my head where I think about all the ways that the next story could go. And they're just as fresh and just as exciting as the thoughts and ideas I had after after the graphic novel finished. All those single issues when they finally, when that final one uh finally came to Australian shores and uh, I could read it. I thought about that for years. So if this is all we get, then that's fine. And, you know, uh, this week, I won't really go into it because some people might not have seen one of these things and there's another thing that I know they definitely haven't seen yet. But there are two other pop culture icons that I engaged with uh, in the last few days and both left me a little bit underwhelmed. There lacked a uh, like a spark of imagination that went into both of these pieces. And I know I'm speaking very obliquely, aren't I? But, uh, uh, and I'm sure you can probably work it out, but I don't like shitting on things and I don't like shitting on things before other people have had to see them. But 
but they, they just lacked a, a spark of creativity. They, they lacked a little bit of, you know, hey, we're going to try something and we're going to do this. We don't know if it's going to work. Well, but we're going to give it a crack anyway. And uh, I love that this series just took a big swing and then it took another big swing and it kept taking big swings all the way to the end and we ended up with a final image that called back all the way to the first poster. And I know we've all talked about this before, but the more I think about it, it's time. Yeah, it is time. And uh, they nailed it, and it was great. I'm currently back in Adelaide where it's been, uh, you know, plus 40 degrees the past two days, uh, which has made me work very slowly and feel mildly uninspired. Uh, But uh, there's still a lot for me to do. Uh, still a lot going on. Uh, we've got Hoovins coming back. We are in pre-production for that. Uh, we've got some funny things lined up. If you're a Doctor Who fan, I think you'll enjoy it. And if you just enjoy, you know, people talking about stuff in a fun way, uh, I can <laughs> guarantee you, you will have some dumb stuff to watch, uh, some really funny stuff. So uh, we're working on that at the moment. Uh, If you're living in Adelaide and you're listening to this on the 20th of December, which while I'm recording it is tomorrow when I'll release it tonight, but you might be like listening to this on the day it's released. So if you're in Adelaide and and you're listening to this on the 20th of December and you'd like to come out, I'm teaming up with some Adelaide comedians to perform at the Rhino Room for the final show of 2019. We're going to be doing... uh, uh, just a fun, relaxed year in review. You can bring in some questions. Uh, all you need to do is go to adelaidecomedy.com or come to the f- uh, front desk. Uh, the show starts at 7.30 and if you use the promo code Big Squid, or one word, Big Squid, you'll get two for one tickets. And uh, you can come along and ask questions as well. So, you know, if you've been listening to the podcast and watching the series and you want want to watch me confuse people who haven't seen the series, just yell out, hey, Hamo, can you do a tight 10 on the Watchmen series? And, well, it'll be the question I'll be waiting for all night. So, (laughs) show starts at 7.30pm. More details at adelaidecomedy.com. If you can't make that, also just remember that uh, I'll be back for the Adelaide Fringe from the 18th of February. I will have uh, the new play, John Tilt, Adamus, Time is the Fire. That's a crazy, whacked-out show. Uh, and will be very much left of centre as the character of John and his toy monkey Lou uh, do their best to escape the frail by using songs as conduits to hide in memories from uh, previous times. Hmm. I'm writing it, and it's a a fun one to try and describe. But it will all make sense uh, if you come along and see the show. But if you would just prefer straight stand-up, I'm doing... And Hamo was his name, O, which will be at the beginning of March. Uh, Go to the Adelaide Fringe website or comedy.com.au for more details. And uh, as I've said in previous uh, podcasts, if you see both, you'll realise there's something going on with the stand-up show that no one will know if they only see that but if you see John Tildanimous Time is the Fire and then you see the stand-up show you'll be sitting there going wait a minute I reckon he's blah 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 yep yep I'm laying some stuff there for you people (laughs) I know you're really busy and you've got uh, you've got your own money and you've got 
you know, your own things that you need to do. But what I'm saying is if you take time out and see me twice, I'll reward you in ways that will make you feel superior to other people. <laughs> or not. Who knows? Anyway, um, so uh, I've had a bit of a lurk on our Facebook page. I'm once again so sorry I haven't had time to really engage as much. There's some really uh, interesting uh, people there who are writing uh, some great stuff and um, you know, just with the work with Whovians and everything else, it's just been hard to uh, find time to settle and write. But um, there was one uh, uh, thing that someone wrote, uh, Paul McGarry, and uh, uh, I saw what he wrote and it was quite big and I wanted to respond and I just didn't have time to do it on uh, my computer. So I thought I'd respond to Paul here, who said he was confused that Ben and I think the TV series ending is more optimistic than the comic. And then pointed out that there are still potentially bad things that could happen after the HBO series ends. And I agree with that. And But I also disagree. And I, I thought I'd answer that all here. So... Uh, Paul, if you're listening, this is for you, and it's for everybody else as well. But I, I liked your, I liked your uh, status update on uh, on the Big Squid uh, conversation page. So I wanted to give it a proper response. Um, first of all, in regards to Angela gaining John's powers, I actually said in the podcast that maybe that this is the tragedy, not that John dies, but th that he passes on his powers to her, and she's now saddled with the burden. So I absolutely think you could read that as a as a potentially tragic ending and a, and a, and a depressing ending. But the, I think the difference is, and this is what I've taken from the TV series as well as the graphic novel, but mainly the series, they really point out that John didn't have much imagination and for someone with all of these powers, he kind of couldn't think outside of the box. Like even when he was attacking people, you know, when he's in these, uh, you know, when he fights someone, like, like they just kind of explode. It's like, like even Thanos has more uh, imagination. You know, he turns, uh, he turns people into ribbons or blocks, <laughs> you know. So, uh, John's not that imaginative. And the Lord and Lady of the Manor tell him to make something beautiful. So, he goes to, to Europa and he makes them. Like, he just makes them. But he doesn't, he doesn't think to make, like, different people. He doesn't think to, you know, he doesn't think to think outside of his own box. And then he rejects them for worshipping him. And I, I kind of, I think that in many ways him living as an African-American person uh, is a way of him experiencing the world in ways that he would never have thought to before. And I know that's been a mild criticism of saying that they didn't go into that enough, but, I, you know, maybe they could go into that in future seasons, you know. Um, but I think that's a really interesting uh, concept. And, um, but yeah, you know, he has these people, they start worshipping him, and then he, uh, you know, these people that he's made, and he could have reacted in lots of different ways, but he just abandons them. So John was always my favourite character from the comic because I used to believe that there was a melancholy that came with his powers. But maybe the depressing angle is... Maybe it's depressing that someone with so little imagination could have those powers. So instead, you have Angela, who may be gaining all of those powers, and she's experienced a full life already, and she's learned some terrible truths, and she's come face-to-face -face with who she is. And in an in inverse origin story... At the end of this, you feel like she'll never need to wear a mask again. And when Will says that he liked John, but he could have done more, I think 
Angela might just be that person. Would she make mistakes? Yeah, of course. That's what makes the second season so juicy to think about, but also makes it perfect to leave it alone so we can dream up these new stories ourselves. So personally, I think Angela would do good, uh, you know, and all the lessons that she's learned all through it, she seems like she's ready to uh, take on take on that mantle and what, what she might do uh, would would be quite interesting. And personally, I think she would do good. I think so there's immediately more optimism in that idea. And she's not passive like John. Like, John's really passive. You know, Angela's already taken the egg and consumed it. She's a woman of action. She won't let any strings compromise her. So in, so right there, I think it's more optimistic. Um, in, in, in the comic, the fact that all the heroes let Vite get away with it is much more depressing than the TV series. He kills millions of people in New York. He, he's killed all his helpers, in, uh, um, bar Lady True's mother, <laughs> who escaped on her own volition. He's killed all those poor, innocent people on Europa, and uh, he has to pay for his crimes. And as Laurie says, they say the world will end, but it, but it keeps moving forward. And the series says justice is important if we hope for good to rise whereas the comic suggests you know what's the point so do, do you know what i mean so just as important the world never really ends and it might get close but we, you can't have justice unless you keep doing the right things and uh, the comic sort of says well what's the point you know it doesn't matter we know this isn't right that he's done this but we'll all do nothing and the one person who wants to do the right thing will obliterate him from existence and guess what all this death could lead to it all turning to shit anyway so that's a pretty cynical ending to me and uh, i feel like uh, the series is the opposite of that by the way i don't think that's a complaint i think that's part of the satire of it all uh you know once again it was uh, it was pushing back against how superhero stories work and normally there'd be a big punch on and uh the villain would be defeated. Whereas this, the, the villain kind of wins and the heroes all go, oh yeah, Jesus, okay, yep, fine. And uh, Dr. Manhattan leaves. <laughs> it's a bit of a shit ending, but shit in a, in a good funny way. It's perfect, you know. Uh, I also think, of course, that the 7th Cavalry and racism will continue to exist, but taking out the leaders of Cyclops and fulfilling Will's mission and it's the, it's the mission that we see right at the start. It's where his origin story begins. That feels like a win to me. That's more optimistic. It doesn't say racism is cured, but it takes out a lot of bad people and it takes out some pretty highfalutin bad people as well. So that's actually an optimistic ending. Um, yes, there could be a backlash to all the secrets coming out, like President Redford uh, knowing about the squid attack, but the Watchmen world isn't the West Wing. This isn't a series that says, how good would a liberal government be? It says, even a liberal government would have flaws. And he's been in power for, what is it, roughly 18 to 20 years? Maybe maybe Redford losing power is a good thing. Like, we're thinking of him as Robert Redford, the guy who, you know, makes movies and created Sundance, you know, stuff like that. Uh, maybe this one, you know, maybe he has made mistakes. So maybe him being pushed out of power is not necessarily a bad thing. And then finally, Paul says that uh, he doesn't even believe the senator is gone just because he exploded and became a blob. And uh, look, I, I, I have to say, I think he exploded and he's a blob. And it was funny. that It was funny that the big bad racist society that had their own heads stuck so far up their own ass, they didn't know they were being played the whole time. Now, look, they could write another series and we could be dealing with Glute Man Glute Man comes up against Lube, Lube Man. 
and uh, and uh, Sister Manhattan, you know, like, but uh, I'm not really too certain that I want to see any of that. But uh, as far as I'm concerned, when he went blur, that was all over because, as Lady True said, he that she'd only given over the equipment that she needed them to use to to catch Doctor Manhattan, and he didn't know what he was doing. So I just thought that was really funny, and to not have him explode and become <laughs> that, that that mess, uh, well, I just it just wouldn't be as funny. Look, uh, all interpretations of the ending are correct, uh, but Ben and I experienced a very positive outcome compared to the cynical fatalism of the comic. And as I said, that's part of the satire of the original work, and I love it for that. But it's a lot more depressing than the series. And, and uh, I don't think the series ends saying, and now everything's good. But what I do think it says is that Angela has gone on a very specific journey and she's learnt things about herself and she's a different person ready for a different challenge at the end of the series. I think, I think uh, you know, Wade, Looking Glass, is probably going to be in a better place regardless of finding out all that terrible stuff. He doesn't look like someone who's broken by it. He looks emboldened. Like, I want to see a Laurie and Wade <laughs> ongoing series. That's where I would take the next one. I'd just make it a cop show. <laughs> that would be so much fun. So, you know, I think both of them are probably in better places. And uh, I don't know. I just think uh, I just think overall, you know, Will, Will finally did everything that he had to do. And... Now he's going to have some sort of relationship with his granddaughter, and that's not a bad thing either. So overall, I think it's uh, I think it's pretty optimistic, and um, you know, also not not only did uh, Angela learn a lot of lessons, but and and maybe she gets that power with that in mind. Uh, may- maybe John always knew that was going to happen anyway, so he was he was helping her prepare for the moment, and that also feels like a win for me. So. What I'm saying is, Paul, cheer up, man. Like, if you just look at it at a slightly different angle, it's a pretty optimistic ending. It's Christmas. The good guys won. (laughs) Uh, I'm teasing, Paul. Uh, I enjoyed uh, you writing that, and it did make me think about things. So, hence why I wanted to answer you here. Um, All right. This is banged on for a bit. Uh... Let's just finish up with saying that the TV series is a, is a rich work of art, just as the graphic novel is. We're still discussing the graphic novel now. I feel like we will still be discussing the TV series in the future. I'll swing by at the end of the podcast, but for now, let's bring in Ben Elwood and chat about Chapter 9, The Darkness of Mere Being. So I've hit a point with the TV show, mm. and I hate people like this. Um, Wait, you hate yourself? Uh, look, it's not the first time. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the club. You're in good company. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, the old Groucho Marx joke of never want to belong to a club that would have someone like you as yeah. a member. Yeah, <laughs> I have that problem in relationships. I can't yeah. respect anyone that loves me. <laughs> uh, what is wrong with you? Don't you realise I'm fucked? Anyway. Um, so I've hit a point with the TV show mm. where I'm 
so enamoured with it mm. that I just have a complete and utter intolerance for anyone who doesn't agree with me 100%. You having an intolerance for no, people? No, but that I'm pretty good. Like, I understand that some people's tastes in things don't match up with me and are wrong, but I also know how to just stifle not saying it out loud and then I just judge them internally. To be fair, this show is the... It's almost as though... It was plucked from your forehead. I've, I've, I, there's the only other thing that has ever reflected someone I know so completely is right. our, a friend of ours, Nick Sun, yes. the band Animal Collective. Yes, the music of Animal Collective. When I listen to that, it's like that's what the inside of Nick uh, Sun's <laughs> head sounds like. Right. This show is the inside of your head. It's, it's unbelievable. I Every episode, some new th- like the Bowie thing in the last episode. Oh yes. Yeah, as soon much. as Bowie started, it's like, oh for fuck's sake, are they like are they is this being transmitted directly from Justin's head? Well, I have this awful feeling that I'm about to wake up and you know, <laughs> and then I'm gonna find out that it's, you know, the guys that made Big Bang Theory are making uh, Watchmen. <laughs> it's like, oh no, this is the real world. Let's get out of here. Uh, but it's um, I found it really inspiring as well because I've got to write this new John Tilde Animus play, yep. which also has the uh, the subtitle of uh, Time is the Fire, which uh-huh. is taken, uh, which I first read in Grant Morrison's Charlton version of The Watchmen. What comic. is Time is the Fire? That's the uh, poem t- uh, that has the line, Time is the Fire in which we learn, Time is the Fire in which we burn. Ah, yeah. right, okay. So, uh, so this new John Tilde Animus play is... John's at, at the end of the last show. John's been called back to the real world, yep. and he's a little bit like, "Why have I been called back here?" And he's travelling with his uh, toy monkey Lou, as <laughs> they have this uh, this thing called the Frail, and they don't quite know what the Frail is, but it's kind of coming for them. So they have to duck into memories to hide from yeah, wow. uh, from this thing. Anyway, it's a uh, low concept, and <laughs> uh, <laughs> but um, it, it's you know when you watch really good. Well, when you experience any good art in whatever form, yep. it's really inspiring. Yep. And it, it makes you take big swings. I well, think. you've always been very good at that. You get inspired. I, uh, I know a lot of people that get paralyzed by seeing oh, great right. art. You know what I mean? It's that whole, like, oh, my God, that yeah. is just so incredible. I could never match up. Yeah. But you're, you're, you're always so, you know, dramatically inspired by this stuff. It's, it's inspiring seeing how inspired you get. Oh, right. Thanks. Well, you know what it is. It's like they, they took a big swing. Mm. You know, they took a big swing. And maybe that's what's stopping me from creating something that I'm mm. really into. Maybe it's, uh, well, I don't know how to do that or I can't do mm. that. And, mm. you know, might as well, uh, you know. Go for the go for the fences, as it were. Yeah, and I think you know the big swings. Were, uh, you know, particularly when they work. You know, you might not get uh, the biggest audience, but the audience that you do get are yeah. the most devoted. Oh yeah, and the for most sure. into what you, yeah. you know, and and the and the most willing to kind of pick it apart and and notice all these wonderful, you know, idiosyncratic things that right. might go over everyone else's heads. Yeah, I would much rather hang out with those people. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, Give me the detail, not the broad strokes. You know, yeah. As uh, in chapter 2929 of my ongoing series of I Can Bring Everything Back to David Bowie, uh, there's a companion piece where I bring a lot of things back to Christopher Nolan as well. But, the, um, uh, you know, like you look at his... You know, he, he gets ripped off by his manager in the 70s mm. and gets out of that RCA deal. Yep. And he, he needs to make money because mm. he's actually hasn't made 
doesn't have that much money mm. after everything that he went through. So he makes Let's Dance. Right. And, and Let's Dance is... Let's Dance is like the 80s version of Young Americans and yep. it would be seen that way if he then followed it up with the equivalent of Station to Station and Low. Hmm. But he, in the 80s, he ends up with an audience, as he said, who suddenly are into Phil Collins and Rod Stewart. Mm. Whereas before he used to have people who were into the Velvet Underground and Iggy Pop and yep. he didn't know how to keep those people happy mm-hmm. like, and, you know, and floundered for a while there. You can still listen to Tonight and Never Let Me Down and hear a couple of songs that you, you can feel are very much the essence of him. But mm. uh, as an overall production, he was just floundering. And, w- and what happened? Did he so abandon he then, those people in the end or did he so, continue trying to... Well, yeah, he did. You know what he did? He mm. formed Tin Machine. Right. And he just went, right, I'm just going to be in this very kind of uh, Pixies-inspired, you know, mm. rock and roll band with... For three other guys, and we're just going to play rock and roll, and it's it's a band. Yeah. And uh, I always think the first Tin Machine album is 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 pretty good, and then the second one, I think he makes the mistake of letting other people ride on it. Right. Uh, but once again, still has Baby Universal and stuff like that, and then uh, Black Tie White Noise, which is which is you know it's got its ups and downs, but you can feel him getting his sound back. But it's the Buddha of Suburbia soundtrack. Right. That really where you go, oh, he's back. You're you're, you're starting to really. Uh, remember your textures mm. and then you go into the outside album and this has just turned into a Bowie podcast. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but I, think, I think especially now more than ever finding a finding a loyal, small loyal following is probably more important than ever because yeah. we're all drowning in so much content yeah. that, you know, uh, appealing to the broad spectrum of people, sure, you might get more eyes viewing a thing but I think it will be instantly forgotten. Right. Because it's just, you know, it's this infinite scroll reality that we're all living in. Right. uh, Where it's next, 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 next. Yeah. The the value of rewatch has kind of been lost, I think. Yes. Uh, 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 Apart from a a small contingent of us that, you know, really love getting to know something very, very well. Yeah, well, you know, I I know some people that aren't watching Watchmen because they want to binge it. And I'm like, Mm. like, sure, like... Watch it how you want to watch it, but you will get more out of it if you have a little think. Yeah. But also just to uh, some things. And, and, and sorry, and the other thing is, is that they don't, they say they don't have time to watch it, but you're going to binge watch it. Yeah, no, no. You, while, while I'm doing the chores, I'll watch watch it with one eye out of my peripheral, like, like yeah. just and then complain that it doesn't make sense. Just, just, <laughs> oh, mate, look, <laughs> don't start me. I'm getting really the, the things cranky. that are dense. It's, it's like you know, I mean, we've talked about this maybe even on this podcast, but definitely in in our private lives. You know, something like Twin Peaks season three. I, oh, yeah. I mean, thank God it came out weekly because it was wonderful to gather on the TV every week. And, you <laughs> yes. know, I'm like, holy shit, here yeah. we go. But I, on the, on the rewatch, on Blu-ray, uh, there was a couple of times I tried to watch two episodes back to back and co- just could not do it. It oh. was just too much. It's too, too yeah. heavy, man. And you're just <laughs> wrenching me in too many directions. I need, oh, a, I need a breather. Like, I need a nap. you got to watch <laughs> You've got to watch episode eight and just go into a mild coma for a week to, <laughs> to comprehend everything that you just saw. I, I told you my my fascinating trick with that series. No. Oh, maybe you did. So the first four episodes, I was just like, boom, yeah. it's back, baby. Yeah. So wrapped, so excited. Yeah. Then around episode six or seven, I was like, is this good? <laughs> I, I couldn't work it out. I thought maybe maybe yeah. it's passed him by. Yeah. I just and I didn't know anyone else who was watching it at, yeah. at that time, so I was just sitting in this bubble by myself, thinking, "Oh no, well I've I've seen everything else, I might as well follow this through." But there's like another eleven episodes, <laughs> and then episode eight happened, and I realised as I was watching it, and of course for anyone who hasn't seen it, 
the most normal thing that happens in episode eight is 15 minutes into the episode, Nine Inch Nails plays a song at uh, the, the local bar. Yeah, yeah, the Bang <laughs> Bang Bar. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. that's the most normal thing that happens. Yeah. In, and and even then, they're introduced as the Nine Inch yeah, Nails. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. But everything bookending that is deeply, deeply unsettling. Oh, yeah, right? <laughs> and uh, by the way, they're referred to as the Nine Inch Nails in some of the ancillary material for the Pale Horse Fantastic. album, which says to me that Watchmen and Twin Peaks takes place in the same universe. <laughs> Great. Bring yeah, it together. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, so it made me realise I was watching it incorrectly and I was watching it yeah. with what I wanted it to be instead yeah. of... Uh, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm flouncing with words here, but kind of opening myself up to yeah. what it should be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I just had the wildest ride yep. and I loved it. Yep. And I thought it, it kind of, in, in some ways, has mild thematic resonance with Watchmen with nostalgia yeah. and the yeah. dangers of it yeah. and uh, yeah so I thought it was magnificent and then it made me so I hated the Laura Palmer movie when it was first released because yeah. I went in wanting to know what happened to Dale Cooper at the end of the second season mm-hmm. and it wasn't that mm-hmm. and so I and the, you know I just wasn't into it but watching the third season made me go back and rewatch it and That's I was brilliant. like oh man like yeah. He was kind of ahead of the curve yep. in that he took the he took Laura Palmer. He he did what Tarantino did this year with Sharon Tate. Yep. He did that with Laura Palmer. Yeah. 25 years ago. 25 years <laughs> yeah, ago yeah, yeah. when Tarantino at the time said Lynch has passed it no, and, and no, he's no, done no, no. and no. he's he'll never make another good movie. So ahead of the and curve. And then he makes his movie, which yeah. is great. Like yeah, I'm not yeah, having yeah. a go at Tarantino's film, yeah. but it's funny. Yeah, yeah, I'd love yeah. to know if Tarantino looks at it and goes, Oh yeah, no. Nah. Guess what? Maybe I'm not right about everything. <laughs> <laughs> it's not brilliant. It. Not, not to get just one more one more thought on this, because yeah. I think it does tie into the Watchmen series um a little bit, you know, because uh, I know a lot of people had that problem with Twin Peaks. Uh, early on that this isn't what I want it to be. I want cherry pie and I want black coffee and I want the backwards talking man yeah. and all these things. And the, and I think the true message of Twin Peaks is you can't go back. You can't go it back. It was a quarter of a century ago. Yeah. Everyone's old or they're yeah. dead. Yeah. Or, you know, and it's... It, David Bowie's a tea kettle. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I think, you know, and I think a lot of the series that do come back yes. that give you everything you think you want... I've never heard anyone be like, oh, it was so good. There's always kind of a vague dissatisfaction yeah. because it's all the flavours uh, seem to be there, but right. everything's different. Everyone's aged. Well, and, and that's why a Watchmen, uh, mm. you know, series that's mm. based, 12 episodes based on each chapter, yep. would have been ultimately dissatisfying. Yeah. Whereas this is, like, it's just been a magnificent... Yeah. Uh, recontextualizing of a yep. story that we love, yep. and you know they've 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 collectively it shows you the brilliance of Alan Moore, but they have collectively pulled an Alan Moore, yeah, on him with his own work, yep. which is great. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and, and 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 as similarly to Twin Peaks, the passage of time, what time does to people? Yeah, you know, and what distance from a catalyst event, you know. Uh, transforms people into like with the Looking Glass episode or yeah. with what's happening with Laurie. Yeah, um, it's very interesting. Uh, the um, just before I get into chapter nine, uh, the um, I can't believe that when he finally left Dougie behind, I was devastated. 
and for a while there, because I was like, how long is this going to fucking go? It was go? fantastic. And then it was like, by by about halfway, I was like, oh, how good's Dougie? Yeah, Dougie was the like, greatest. Dougie, <laughs> you know, like there was literally one episode where the only thing you saw of Kyle McLaughlin was him throwing the ball with the kid and the kid threw the ball to Dougie and it just hit Smacked him in the, him the head. Yeah. Oh, man. Just... And then but, I mean that tie, that does tie into a um into a um an Alan Moore quote that I love you know I, I think Twin Peaks and also this Watchmen series plays into this it's like don't give the audience what they want right because the audience doesn't know what they want that's right. why they're the audience and not the creator you have to give the audience what they need and what they need is different from what they want right uh you know and I think there was a lot of uh, a lot of real resonant necessary things in both of these series yeah. that wouldn't be there if it was just all fan service. That's what I'll do with my new play if someone tries to walk out of it. I'll just scream at them from the stage. You need you this. Need this. <laughs> what is wrong with you? I'm an artiste. <laughs> <laughs> he says, mildly joking. Um, let's get into the issue nine yeah. summary. It's the darkness of mere being. Lovely. Uh, Laurie suddenly finds herself on Mars after Dr. Manhattan appears and teleports the two of them to the red planet. They begin to talk as John shows uh, uh, his ex-lover through his glass-like, watch-like palace, and Laurie is frustrated by his perception of time that allows him to know where the conversation is heading before it proceeds. John attempts to explain to her the nuance of his perception by asking Laurie about her earliest memory. In response, Laurie recounts a time when she was five years old and overheard her parents arguing about one of her mother's affairs. When Laurie's stepfather catches her eavesdropping, he yells at her and sends her to bed. At the end of this story, Laurie pleads with John to end their pointless conversation and return to Earth so they can save the world from Armageddon. John coldly replies that the end of the world would mean the end of human suffering, so why would he want to stop that at all? John points out that all the struggles of each individual amounts to nothing, and as he speaks, Laurie remembers a get-together at her mother's house where... As a teenager, she witnessed Byron Lewis, the hero known as Mothman, have a mental breakdown. Laurie asks her mother if this is what she has to look forward to when she becomes a costumed hero like her mother. Laurie continues to argue with John about the value of human life as they travel above the surface of Mars, and Laurie flashes back to the first meeting of the Crime Busters, where the comedian pointed out the futility of such an organisation. Her brief flirtatious encounter with Blake is brought to an abrupt halt when Sally pulls her away from him and forbids Laurie to ever speak to him again. As John explains to Laurie that the marvellous landscape of Mars is far more incredible than the human condition, she remembers a party she attended which was held in Edward Blake's honour. A drunken Laurie throws a drink in Blake's face for the attempted rape of her mother that happened years ago. John attempts to explain that he understands his scientific approach to existence precludes his ability to reconnect with humanity, but in his defence it is Laurie's emotions that are making her incapable of understanding his viewpoint. In turn, Laurie becomes more emotional, to which John accuses her of avoiding an obvious truth. Laurie fights against this truth, but eventually succumbs to the fact that the comedian Edward Blake is her father. Distraught by this knowledge, Laurie explodes with rage and throws a bottle of the perfume Nostalgia against John's crystal palace and shatters it in the process. Admits the ruins of the palace, Laurie declares her life is a joke and meaningless, but John disagrees. He rationalises that if Laurie can be the product of such an outrageous set of chaotic and improbably, improbable circumstances, then her existence is a thermodynamic miracle. And if her birth was a miracle, then in turn, every birth could be, see, could be perceived as a miracle. He points out that since the world is full of people, we take these miracles as commonplace, and in turn, we lose sight of the natural wonder of the world that surrounds us. John tells Laurie that it is time for them to return to Earth, return to their home. 
And the chapter finishes with a quote from C.J. Jung from Memories, Dreams, Reflections, and it reads, As far as we can discern, the sole purpose of human existence is to kindle a light of meaning in the darkness of mere being. Mm. So in this issue, uh, John declares that uh, when it comes to the way he perceives time, we're all puppets, Laurie. I'm just a puppet who can see the strings. So, young Benjamin, does mm. this mean that free will doesn't exist in the Watchmen universe? I don't believe free will exists in our universe. You don't think so? No, I don't think so at all. I think we are all uh, on predetermined tracks. Uh, be that through our own uh, genetic influences yep. or the fact that, you know, when you put people in brain scanners, you know, the brain decide, makes the decision nanoseconds before the consciousness realises. Right. Um, and also, if you want to get even nerdier and weirder, you know... I do. It, it, great. Like, do you believe in block time? Uh, the whole Morrisonian more uh, kind of concept that all time is, you know, well, Manhattan's perception of time. Do you yeah. believe that that's a real thing? So it's uh, from a high dimension, you would look down yes. and uh, time would be like a mountain and you could yeah. climb that mountain the, the, and get to certain parts. Yeah, the, the, the best metaphor I ever heard for it was... Um, uh, a bookcase in a black hole that helps yes. Cooper <laughs> tell Merv yeah, how to save the world. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, that's the other. That's the other ongoing saga of uh, Christopher Nolan that I have. <laughs> just, uh, just in case you thought I couldn't well, do it. It's, it's kind of book like. It actually <laughs> yeah. because I think that the way uh, the the way Watchmen is laid out, and the way mm. comics in general is laid out, and, mm. and another reason the movie did not work for me is that we are Doctor Manhattan when we read comics. Yes. You know, if you from Superman's perspective as a two dimensional creature, yes, he experiences each panel. Individually, yes. Whereas if we laid out every adventure of Superman one page after the other and yeah. hovered above it on a football field or whatever, we yep. would see the totality of Superman's existence, existence yeah. as three-dimensional beings looking at a two-dimensional being. Yeah. So the theory is, if there was a fourth or fifth-dimensional being looking at our lives, yep. they would see us as a, you know, segmented caterpillar, you know, snaking our way through our entire lives yep. out of our mum's womb and into the grave. I hope if there are beings like that, that they have been waiting for me to get to Watchmen and they're as excited as I am. <laughs> oh, he's going to be wrapped. <laughs> <laughs> oh, let's, well, you know what, let's... Uh, Let's uh, let's skip these chapters where he's a bit depressed in his early forties and get straight to this bit where he's uh, back on track. But do you do you believe in free will? Do you it's believe a, that do you believe you got a choice and stuff? I think it's. Uh, I don't know. That's actually a really good question. I I feel like you do. Uh, I feel like maybe it's just harder. I feel like you can make decisions, mm. uh, and it's hard because you have your wants and you have your desires and then I think you also have invisible forces around you mm. whether they are the the assumptions of other people mm -hmm. or what we're experiencing in this country with governments our, making, our, our psychotic fucking yeah. parliament not now, doing anything about the fact that our country's on fire right <laughs> and so it, it's it's interesting uh, because you then so I think you do have free will within that Mm. But uh, I think you're pushing up against a lot of things that are difficult to overcome. Like I, yeah. so you, I think I've discussed this with you. My lease runs out here in Sydney in May, mm. and I'm not in a relationship. I don't have any kids. I don't have any ties, and at this point, don't have any 
work after the festivals, you know, it can yeah. change very drastically. Yeah. Uh, you know, essentially I have this podcast, you know, <laughs> like as something that I want to keep doing, but otherwise everything's kind of open. I have half a, half a million frequent flyer points. Yeah. And I kind of, without sounding too pessimistic or cynical, uh, I wonder if this is the right time to cash those babies in before, yeah. uh, you know, things get really scary. Yep. But I'm fighting against the fact that, you know, I just bought the new remastered version of David Bowie's uh, Space Oddity album that I was listening to today and I felt very happy amongst my stuff. Yeah, and it's the nice idea to have your stuff. Yeah, I like my stuff and I, like, I don't really want to be away from my stuff and people say your stuff isn't you and I beg to differ. Uh, I am definitely my stuff and my stuff's fucking great and yeah. I don't have much of it but it really, yeah. you know, like sitting in my apartment, it's like sitting in my head, isn't it? Yeah, it's lovely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's, uh, it's, like, it's the external manifestation of all the things you love. Yeah. That's why when you come over and you watch Watchmen, it's like you're sitting there watching my dreams. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Without having to put up with me farting and burping in my, in my sleep. <laughs> but uh, so I do think you have... Uh, and then, of course, there's the experiences you have that make you who you are, that you're constantly yeah. pushing back against. Yeah. The ones that you know about. Yeah, absolutely. The and ones that you don't know about. the wiring that you don't even know was in there. Oh, yeah. You know, like one of the most confronting uh, moments of my life was, um, so my dad left when I was about two or three. Right. So I have a vague scrap of a memory of him. Right. But really... What is it you like? Know, and, and you don't even know. Is yeah. it a memory or is it a story you told yourself that then became a memory? Well, yeah, because they uh, say that you you don't you don't have a photographic memory. No. Every time you remember something, it's a it's photocopy story. of a photocopy. Yeah, it's the story yeah. that you're remembering. So, you know, ostensibly I have no memory of him. Uh, and then all through my adolescence, you know, I was the, the member of my family that was into the weird movies and right. the weird books and all of that stuff. Uh, and as people tend to do when they're younger, you're very much defined by... You know, it's like before you've even really figured out who you are separate from all that stuff. It's right. like, well, I am me because I love Watchmen and I'm me yeah. because I love Six Feet Under yeah. and all these things. Uh, and, you know, everyone in my family was always like, oh, he's into the weird stuff. Uh, and when I was in my mid to late 20s, my father tracked me down on MySpace Oh right. uh, out of nowhere. And we had a brief email exchange. But within that email exchange, mm. I discovered that we have the exact same taste in books, the exact same taste in music, oh, right. the exact same taste in 
everything like right. down to down to very 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 obscure things and it was right. this quite destabilizing moment like maybe akin to the palace in this chapter yeah. shattering of like holy fuck i've defined myself by these things for so long right and did i even have a choice in the matter was i just genetically programmed to be drawn to the music of frank zappa or the right. works of alan moore because it it was too it was too specific to be coincidental. Right. And then all of a sudden it's like, well, am I even me? Between my genetics, between my cultural influences, between the influences of every person I've ever rubbed up against in my life, mm. how much of me is even me? Right. What percent, what sliver? And I don't, I, I, and, and it really got me into this headspace of like, I don't think that I'm, I think we're all just an accumulation of everything that's come before us. Right. And we're the leading edge of that. And I'm not sure how much choice i even had in the matter right and i don't know if that's a i know a lot of people have a, find it very disturbing to even consider that we don't have free will that, that yeah. that's a discombobulating uncomfortable thought i don't for me i don't even i don't see the difference it's like well does it does it matter right well i guess as uh I, I guess it matters that you feel that you have free will mm. Do you know what I mean? Like, is, uh, you know, you should have a sense that you do make choices because otherwise yeah. it can lend itself to, I'm taking a guess here, a, a passive approach to the life. That or a live. sinister approach to life. Or a sinister. Well, yeah. sorry. Yeah. It's in my uh, genetic makeup. Yeah. This is who I am kind yeah. of thing. And yeah. uh, I think what that precludes is the ability to learn. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I just know that a lot of people, <laughs> uh, not to sound like too much of a haughty asshole, but I'm I know a lot of people aren't terribly self-reflective. Oh, yeah, for and sure. And so I just wonder if those people who are very self-reflective are still very much dictated by, you know, whatever, their genetics or such and such. Right. The people that aren't self-aware or self-reflective at all, yeah. like maybe they're just driven completely by, you know, the, the will to action that their brains just... Yeah. <laughs> You know, fart it out. Yeah, they can be the uh, they can be the most judgmental too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. You know, it's yeah, like, yeah. wait a minute, you've picked apart every arsehole in this room, but no, no, no one's saying anything about you. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. yeah. You know, anyway, uh, I thought you might find this interesting. Arthur Ward in his essay. Free will and foreknowledge. Does John really know what Laurie will do next and can she do otherwise? Mm. Big, big title, Arthur. Mm. Um, explains that it is not preordained, that it is more like a movie. The characters choose their actions in each frame and the results are depicted in the, uh, in the succeeding frame. John can see all of the frames at once. Mm. So while free will exists, a viewer of all the frames knows what will happen next and those choices can't be changed. <laughs> That's a that's a head fuck, right? Yeah, that seems to double back in on itself. Look, I um I read that, found that bit that kind of sums it up, yeah. and then um had a nap. <laughs> <laughs> well, because if time is a block, like it is in Slaughterhouse Five or Watchmen, yeah. yeah, you know, and we are all just you know uh, playing our role as yeah. it is preordained, as it has always been, yeah, you know, I mean. According to that theory of time, we've always been sitting here having this conversation. Great. So then, <laughs> I'm right, <laughs> and always will be. Yeah. This might, you know, every slice will exist for yeah. whatever. It's not even time. Well, that's that. Uh, that's that. One of my favorite. It's dark, but yeah. one of my favorite moments in that first season of True Detective, when 
you know, Rust yeah. is pointing out, those kids are going to be trapped in that place forever forever yeah. you know and he's kind of explaining why he has this very bleak outlook on yeah. life well alan, alan uh, back to alan moore he i saw an interview with him where he was talking about this concept and it's weird because you know you can believe in block time and you can believe in the lack of free will but somehow it always leads back to there is a choice mm. and and i do there's a part of me that has to believe there is a choice right you know faced with some diabolical decision you mm. know uh, who knows but he says you know if every moment is going to last forever then make sure that you're doing as much cool shit as you can because oh, yeah. it's going to be forever yeah you know it is forever that's a great well that's a that's a very positive way of yeah, looking at it yeah, as yeah, well. yeah. But, th- but that denotes that there's a choice yes you know that you can choose to do the cool thing that's going to be you know eternal yeah oh man Think of all those cool concerts you went to. Yeah, man. I'm into I'm that. still there watching Nick Cave right now. Yeah. <laughs> still, uh, yeah. Oh, look. Anyway, we've already had enough Bowie. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, uh, save it for the next episode. <laughs> save it for the... Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Dad. Um, <laughs> this is a comic that inspires people to aggrandize Rorschach and have mm. a soft spot for Night Owl. Mm. Or, and, and I have to admit, this one really reflects me find dr manhattan fascinating in mm-hmm. his melancholy i've always loved i've always found something delightfully uh, not delightfully but i've always found something very attractive in his uh inability to kind of escape you know to be all powerful yeah. and you know also feel kind of trapped in yeah. that um but I wonder, do we give short shrift to Sally Jupiter, who in many ways is the most tragic and fascinating of characters because of everything she has to endure? And, um, you know, probably when I'm a teenage boy, I don't, regardless of, like I have, I had a, a level of empathy mm. for her as a person. Mm. But as I get older, uh, I, I really love Sally. Like I re- she mm. really stands out to me. And especially, you know, there's. Uh, I'd be curious to know what people think who came to this later. Uh, um, but you know, there is a sense of you know, there, there's not a, enough diversification in the comic, and it kind of, uh, you know, it gives the female character short shrift in many ways. Mm. I think that's what the series is doing really well. Yeah. Once again, recontextualizing Laurie, so you can look at this as her origin story. Mm. Mm. But. Um, I feel like Gibbons and Moore were pushing up against the tropes of where comics were in the eighties. Yeah, so absolutely. I don't I don't I don't look at it as they were dismissing everybody else, but that's what the tropes were, which they were satirizing and pushing up against. Yeah. But anyway, as I get older I find Sally a, a more and more fascinating character throughout this series. Yeah, there's a there's a complexity to her and her actions that uh, I definitely, as a you know near middle aged male, yeah, don't have the equipment to wrap my head around. I, I yeah. I've not been in. I mean, I've I've been in positions where I've gone back to people I shouldn't have gone back to, right? because uh, it wasn't right. Uh, but. Nothing as heinous as what this character has gone through. Right. So, how old were you when you read this again? The first time. Yeah. I, maybe sixteen or seventeen. Yeah. It's a mind blowing concept. Yeah. As you know, as another person that was raised by a single mum. Yeah. And you learn very early on the rights and wrongs of uh, of how to treat women. Yeah. And it's it's not even it's not even lectures. It's just 
through of course of course you're taught but it's also just through being around them mm. constantly yeah and uh, it just really messed with my head yeah uh, as as a young guy yep. to to even contemplate that something like that could be so heinous uh, yeah. and and could occur and that you would deal with it and compartmentalize it to an extent that you could yeah go back there yeah possibly numerous times yep i i I think that uh, i think there was a naivety to me that this kind of brought out of me yeah yeah and i think it's definitely uh you know for people our mother's age yeah or or people of a certain age decades ago there was a, a a lot lower expectation of men and their behavior yeah uh and so like i know i've heard mum talk about things that my father did in a very kind of nonchalant way right things that were that made me go what the fuck that's fucked up yeah yeah and just kind of like oh you know that's just that's just the way it was or you know uh a lot more forgiving than people of our generation and then even more so people yeah. younger than us would be of that yeah. kind of behaviour. Just completely, completely heinous and unacceptable. That's why but I find... Whether, whether, whether it was that, that she was raised in a way of like, that's just the way guys are. Yeah. Or, you know, devalued herself to a point where she was like, well, you know, what else could I expect? Right. It, it, either way, it's 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 horrible. It's, oh. it's ter- terrible. It's, um, uh, it's, it's one of the many remarkable things as I get older that I realise about my mum, you know, that Andrea was, you know, like she was considered a troublemaker and she was considered uh, fiery and, uh, you know, uncontrollable and all of these awful words and and was really never given any support Mm. as a a young girl slash woman. Mm. Uh, But when I look back on it, um, you know what she was? Mm. She was just someone who said to the way things had to be, no. Yeah. Fuck you. Yeah. Well, I'm not going to put up with this shit. Yeah. You yeah, know? Yeah, 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 yeah. You're an asshole. You're yeah, yeah. an asshole. Oh, and I, feisty. Oh, what? Yeah, you know? Oh, you know what? I don't give a fuck that we're family. You're all awful. Yeah. You're an alcoholic. You're mm. the, you know? And, yeah, 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 and yeah, yeah, yeah. she just had this inner strength. Like, like who knows where that came from? Yeah. Right? She it's, made a choice. It's interesting the way women uh, historically have been disparaged for, you know, saying, hey, fucking back off, man. Right, right. You know, I was I was thinking, uh, uh, you know, someone the other She's day. She's a bull buster. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, someone, I was talking to someone the other day and, you know, they were, they were kind of uh, going on about angry feminism and blah, blah, blah. And, and I suddenly realised if I was a woman, I would be very, very angry. I get condescended to as a five foot six man, maybe once a year. Right. Maybe once a year right. as a six foot five guy, I'll get a big fella or something like that. Yeah. And I lose my fucking mind. Oh, like yeah. I cloud over. Yeah. Don't you fucking condescend to me. Yeah. And then to think that, you know, most women have to endure that on a daily, well, maybe hourly basis. It's, it's, it's mm. interesting when you hear the stories of people who have transitioned to be women. Yeah. And suddenly people aren't making ways for them on the on the footpath. Mm-hmm. You know, yep. it's uh yep. You know, it was. Uh, you know, listen, listen to the, the the people who couldn't cope with Hannah Gadsby's Nanette. Mm. Yep. <laughs> you yeah, know? yeah, yeah. Like that was that was primal. You know. Yeah, man. <laughs> <It> was, <laughs> that fucked me up real bad. Oh my god. Real you know, bad. It was yeah, like, yeah. Uh, 
you know, it was it was a powerful piece, and mm. it came across, it came along at exactly the right time, and mm. uh, and and she lent a voice to something that, uh, you know, potentially fifty one percent of the world is feeling, or, you know. Yeah. Uh, um, I was always, um, you know, <laughs> did you, you know what? Just so um, you two were performing in Melbourne, and mm-hmm. they did a very bono this thing. is recently yeah yeah okay. yeah uh, will was telling me this and they put up a you know faces of all these uh i forget what the song is because i'm not a u2 fan but uh, the uh um they were putting up all these faces of uh, these powerful women and hannah gadsby went up and it's just like oh fucking yes isn't it surreal yeah it's the best <laughs> it just i was like man it just makes me like i just find it also <laughs> awesome and entertaining and i could just do I remember being on. I, w- I once went on the road with her, and yeah. you know, wh- you know, when you go on a comedy festival road show, yeah. and the, you know, there's not all the time, but now and again, you get fucking guys trying to be the fucking one in charge kind of thing. And I was on the road with, uh, you know, some some nice guys and that, and there was uh, there was uh, there was a few egos floating around at and a on comedy the, festival yeah, road yeah, show. Road show, I couldn't Ooh. believe it. And um, and uh, I, I remember on the first morning. <laughs> I looked around, uh, we were all having breakfast and I looked around and I looked at Hannah and I said, well, usually it takes a while to work out who the alpha male is, but isn't it great that we've already worked out who it is, Hannah? <laughs> and Hannah looked at me and she adjusted her glasses and she said, ooh, I've never been an alpha male before. And then she was the alpha male for the tour and it was fantastic. <laughs> she was very funny. Um, yeah, so, yeah, anyway, I'm... Um, through this reread, I've really had a lot of affection for Sally. Yeah. Um, you know, and I, I also have a lot of empathy for... What she pushes her daughter through, you know, because she kind of like I know it's wrong mm. and she shouldn't do it, mm. but she's a product of her time yeah. and doesn't quite know. And you know, um, you know another tasty little this series. God damn it! <laughs> God damn! I can't wait to rewatch it. Um, you know, she makes fun of uh, Laurie makes fun of her mum for having those Tijuana Tijuana Bibles. Yeah. yeah, but what does? Laurie have oh, in, her, in her, her giant blue dildo case. Of she course. has the thing with her with... The parody porn. Yeah, or whatever that yeah, is. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. So she's, you know... Of course. She, well, everyone becomes their parent in the end, right? right. Amazing. Um, oh, yeah, I've already asked that next question. Uh, so how do you feel about this issue in general? And in particular, the speech John gives at the end when he decides he has interest in life because uh, I, I yeah. had a I reckon that I reckon this might be my favourite chapter yeah I, I, I reread it um, last night yeah. in prep for this um, and it is yeah the, I mean there's a lot of resonance in this for me you know what we were talking before about um, the perception of time mm. but also that thing at the end you know the th- uh, the the thermodynamic miracle of mm. you know you existing, yeah. Um, and you know, I think about that a lot. The um, the kind of sliding doors effect of, you know, us all being here. You know, I, if if Hitler's dad had clenched his ass and come two seconds later than he did, right? You and me wouldn't be having this conversation right now. The right. entire don't make me feel glad for fucking <laughs> Hitler's dad. <laughs> Why would you, you know do that I mean? to me, it's Ben? Like, it's this yeah. weird thing, you know, yeah. like when people go, do that whole like thought experiment of like, oh, if you could kill baby Hitler, would you go back and do it? And it's like, well, yeah, you'd save, I mean, potentially you would save all the people that died in the Second World War, but you would be dooming everyone that exists today to non-existence. Oh, yeah. Because and none of us would exist. But also, like, 
Germany was still going through the depression. Mm. Who who fills that void? Who fills the vacuum? Maybe it's someone who doesn't get hooked on meth and and yeah. keeps their shit together yeah. and actually does a better job. It's a maybe com- it's worse. Yeah, maybe it's worse. Maybe it's yeah. better. Maybe you know. Maybe they become a defunct country and become absorbed by another European yeah. country. I mean, it's it's like a parallel reality that we can't even conceive of. But yeah. the one thing that is true yeah. is that. No one or virtually no one that is alive today would exist. It would be yeah. a completely different population of seven and a half billion people and thus a completely different yeah. world history. I mean, it's, uh, you know, and to think that it all comes down to something that, you know, literally yeah. that minute, you yeah. know, a different sperm hit the egg and yeah. none of that. And to think, you know, all of the things that have or have not happened in our timeline... Yeah based on such tiny, tiny little flukes of coincidence. It's well, incredible. Well, it can do your head in as well, like in in uh, like unimportant ways. But, you know, when certain things are going on in your life and you're not quite understanding mm. why mm. it's happened and there's a part of you that goes, what, 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 what occurred that I am not aware of? Yeah, yeah, yeah. For this to flip this way. How, you know... I, I try to perceive myself outside of me mm. and it's a very difficult thing to do. And yep. sometimes I feel like I've cracked it a little bit. Do you, are you in therapy? Yeah, uh, yeah I'm in this. therapy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. My therapist, two comedians in therapy, <laughs> what a shock. Um, I, do you find sometimes, I, I think it's always helpful, especially if you have a good therapist, but do you find sometimes that it, um, sometimes to have, the good things happen. You have to have the bad session. Oh, of co- th- yeah. that's true of everything in life. I think. Oh, yeah. But yes, I definitely guess. in therapy. Yes, but yeah, it's a yep. it's a very you know, and trying to look outside and make those changes. Mm-hmm. So you know, but yeah, to the um, you know, the tiniest of things that could just irrevocably yeah, yeah, yeah. change uh, world history. Well, do you do you ever? I, I I sometimes do it with myself. You know, like I'll think of a significant relationship I had or mm. a, a significant moment in my life, and mm. then I I try and like backtrack and go okay well that thing happened because you met this person Mm. and you met this person because you met that person you met that person and try and get all the little tiny little events that had to happen for this thing to happen yeah you know uh like i often think that about car accidents or you know if someone gets hit by a car it's just like holy shit it's like you guys were on a track oh yeah for the last 40 years to meet at this exact Exact moment at this exact time. It's It's unbelievable. uh, It's the coin in No Country for Old Men. Yeah. 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 And just, you know, uh, you know, you hear all those stories of, you know, I think, um, who is it? Seth MacFarlane was supposed to be on the plane Uh, that hit the second tower, but it was, you know, it's just crazy. Yeah. You know, and and you think like, oh, he didn't make it to the airport because his alarm didn't go off. But it's like, well, there was a reason his alarm, you know, and back and back and back and back and back. It just keeps tracking back. Yeah, it's... uh, (laughs) It it fucks with your head way too much if you think about it too much. It's like the the, the whole world is a a deck of infinite dominoes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. When the entire universe, you know, it's, it's, it's nutty. You know, um, I sorry, just one more, one more. Thing. Oh no, no, no! But I mean, like that. You know, like uh, even, even as far back as you know, the the meteorite that took out the dinosaurs. Right. You know, what would the landscape of Earth be now? We wouldn't right. be here. Yeah. Would they? Would they? You know, is in, is intelligent life an inevitable byproduct of the universe? Right. You know, would there be intelligent, sentient life on the Earth, or would it still just be this kind of Jurassic? Yeah. You know, but if not for that tiny little. 
yeah. thing. You know, gravity pulling a meteorite into the earth. Yeah. Here we are. Yeah. On a podcast discussing a fucking comic book. Yeah. It's worked out well. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> sorry, sorry, dinosaurs. Um, I've uh, I I have found uh, a level of I don't necessarily feel uh, I I felt like I was beyond romance for a while. Mm-hmm. Do, do you go through those stages where you go? Oh, I just don't know if I can experience it again. And then <laughs> uh, and then in in recent times, it's like I've almost gone looking for it. Uh, as well, but I don't necessarily mean the romance of in love with someone mm-hmm. direct, mm-hmm. but the idea of I've had that um, that Elliot Smith lyric. I think I mentioned it in the last podcast. I'm never going to know you now, but I'm going to love you anyhow. You know, and it's yeah. such a such a that the idea mm. of it. Anyway, the reason I bring it up is I've I I remember reading this as a teenager and mm. finding it incredibly beautiful mm. and kind of romantic mm. in a way like this this big debate for the planet earth being yep. reduced to this you know connecting with someone yep. and uh anyway i may have tried to uh share that with a teenage girl at the time and uh, suffice to say it did not land uh <laughs> <laughs> when you were a teenager yeah when yeah, i was a teenager <laughs> oh yeah now and uh and the police are here and can you finish off the podcast uh <laughs> Uh, but you know when you back before comics were you know people yeah, were course. willing to accept that they could be yeah 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 you got that from a comic book you uh, fucking sorry. loser uh, well it wasn't quite that you know what it was it was it if it was aggressive I could have pushed back against that but I think it was a little bit more um, what <laughs> you <laughs> sad, know sad oh. eyes head tilt oh. <laughs> that's why he wears glasses and has braces but how do you, how do you defi- like non romantic romance. Like well, define that for me. Well, I guess it's more. Uh, it's not. It's not reduced to the um, like a one-on-one being in love, mm. but the you know to like like the movie Moneyball. Mm-hmm. I find the ideal behind that movie. I don't know if it actually represents the real world, but I'm just going to go with the ideal mm-hmm. of the movie. Yeah. I find that incredibly romantic, right, especially okay. when he gets to the end where. He gets the offer from the big, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the big uh, Boston Red Sox, right? And he and he knocks it back because he started it here and he wants to do it here and right. he still still hasn't won. And the Boston Red Sox took his ideas and have now won, you know. Like, but the the uh, the once again, I don't know if that is actually correct in the real world, but in the s- confines of that story, story I yeah. find that incredibly romantic, and I find that. Really the, the romantic of the, the, the loyalty and the, yeah. and the and the refusal to kind of and sell the, out. And, yeah, and yeah. the idea. Like I think mm. we've, uh, I think we. Once again, it's you know it's consume, 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 mm. and 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 not thinking about things and having that idea and feeling, uh, you know, attractions to people that you don't really know or or you 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 view from afar. I think yeah. we. I think that's something that we lose in the the velocity of everyday life. Yep. And yep. so it's been kind of nice to slow down and try to feel those things again. Yeah, the, the slowing down is um, is is vital. I think I told you I don't have the internet in my home yeah. anymore at all. Yeah. Like, it, not even a phone. And it is, uh, my life has returned to a early 2000s uh, pace. Yeah. And it is lovely. Yeah. And I know that I'm a Luddite and I know that I'm an old crank. But it's fine. I well, love getting home and this is my space. Yeah. This is not the world's space. This is mine. Yeah. Well, yes. 
It's not like you're building a barn and churning butter. <laughs> <laughs> but you still, you still. Com- I'm like ten minutes but- off from that, to be honest. But- <laughs> <laughs> Next podcast, you've got a big beard, yeah, yeah, no yeah. buttons. You're Hello, Earth, Sir Justin. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, the, the final bit I have here before Squid Bits is um, I, I've been really surprised. Mm. Uh, and I, by the way, I don't know if I'm rewriting what I thought mm. at the time, but I've been really surprised by people who read the graphic novel many years ago who find Laurie really whining. And I'm... I don't know if I'm missing something because I don't find her whining. I find her to be... Human? Yeah, but also, you know, she's been... She got pushed into... Like, you know, she had parents who... uh, A a mother and a stepfather who didn't love each other and... And his love for her was questionable as well. Like, the stepdad doesn't seem to have much affection for her. He's very cold towards her because he probably knows who she's the byproduct of. Well, I mean, that's stated in the argument they're having when she's a little girl. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then, uh, you know, her mum is trying to, you know, live vicariously through Mm -hmm. her. And then Mm -hmm. she ends up with the most powerful being and, uh, and is slowly forgotten mm. in many ways mm, mm, and mm. then uh yeah anyway I just it's, it's it's questionable whether she's truly ever really related with anyone prior to dan right because i mean you know sure she's she's had what is oh, it, a 20 john. year relation oh uh, yeah she's been with john all that time yeah but i mean who could really who could really relate to him yeah like he's on a completely different i mean she says that in the first issue i think yeah. that it's all quarks and yeah and protons with him yeah um you know i don't know how you you couldn't even conceive of that Right. It's like it's like having a relationship with your dog. You can have an approximation of what the dog's experience is, but really you you can't. Yeah. You're imagining it through a human filter. Yeah. So her her perception of this twenty year relationship is through a very human perspective yeah. rather than this godlike perspective. I feel like that's why she gels with Dan so quickly. Yeah. Because it's, you know, just another kind of, you know, melancholy broken person. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and probably the first that's ever really been truly open and honest with her. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. And and as it, and as we've mentioned many times on the podcast, it's uh, it's interesting rereading it and going, yeah. oh, this is your origin story yeah, yeah, for yeah. who we get to experience and yeah. enjoy in the series. Uh, just a few squid bits. Oh, before you. before squid oh. bits, I had a question for you. Yes. Do you think when? Uh, well, first of all, two questions. Mm. Uh, this this will be a simple one. Uh, why do you think that the palace shatters? Oh. Because I don't believe that a perfume bottle being thrown at the wall is enough to make it crack and completely fall down. It looks like a fairly solid structure to me. Oh. Well, mate, I always just kind of figured that he's fairly... I, I don't... So, okay. So, well, how do you perceive Dr. Manhattan? I, th- I find him to be almost ethereal. So, mm. I could imagine that is... Oh, okay, like a kind of wafer-thin glass. glass. Yeah, yeah right. that's how I've always seen I it. I think it's interesting that it's nostalgia that shatters the oh, glass yeah. palace. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I haven't fully formed my thought on that. But yeah. Yeah, I, I, was, I was wondering that on the reread because it looks like a very huge and solid structure and a perfume bottle being pegged against it. Well, I guess he's just been floating it through Mars mm. atmosphere. Mm. Over the surface, so it couldn't be too heavy, I guess. Yeah, I guess but so. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I haven't really. I, I do about think it's that. interesting that nostalgia destroys it. At, at any rate, the other, the other, the other question I had for you was: um, Do you think that John's kind of dismissal of humans uh, isn't just his spoken inability to connect with them, but also the fact that 
he's inhabiting deep time. Mm. He, he, he is uh, probably eternal, right. probably infinite. And so from his perspective, you know, is, is, does he see humans as the blip that we really are? Right. And thus has no real connection because it's like, well, you guys are only going to be here for another X amount yeah. of millennia. So it doesn't really matter. Well, I think he, uh, I think this is all about refocusing him. Mm. You know, it's a little bit like looking at a painting and just go, oh yeah, that's a nice painting. And then you say, yeah, but what about that little point over Actually there? Actually looking and then, at it. And then looks at it and goes, oh my God, that's that. That, that brushwork's outstanding. Do Isn't you know it I mean? amazing when that happens? Yeah, yeah. It happened to me this year. I went to the Met in New York and I walked past this Jackson Pollock, which was right. as big as life, several times and was just like, eh, yeah, it's like lots of squiggles. Yeah. And then I went on a guided tour and this lady, this excellent lady, made me stand in front of it so that there was nothing on my peripheral, it was just the painting. Yeah. And she just very quietly explained how he did it right and reality just yeah. gave way and oh, all amazing. that existed was this painting and yeah. it was like it was literally breathtaking yeah it was actually like you're, you've slowed down yes and you are looking yes and i think we've lost that in this kind of hyper consumerist age right there's no real t like i you know i often think about watchmen the comic if i discovered this now this would not have the resonance it had when i was 17 i would have read it right but i wouldn't have marinated in it like i did oh, there's a yeah. lot of other stuff to get to i know lots of friends who are doing a reread who are skipping the pirate story no the pirates <laughs> that's part of the text yeah <laughs> but they and and you say to them but you, you know you point that out like oh, i don't like it yeah yeah I'm rewatching Raging Ball, just fast forwarding through the boxing scenes. Yeah, <laughs> what are you doing? Like it's anyway, but it's interesting. Yeah, I've been told that I'm wrong. You are right. I had a feeling. <laughs> uh. <laughs> You're not wrong. You're right. The people that are skipping the bits of the text are wrong. Fuck. <laughs> Good friends too. Yeah. Uh, I need to point out, but well, it's it is one of those things where your eye gets a bit twitchy. You know, it's like when people say to me, oh, I'm going to watch The Leftovers, but I'm going to skip the first season. It's like, why? Why are you going to skip the first season? Oh, I've heard that it's not as good. Well, A, they're wrong, and B, no. Like, yeah. And why don't you make your own fucking opinion about it? Thank you. Oh, my God. And that opinion should be our opinion. <laughs> um, I've got some squid bits for you. Let's On go. page 17, Olympus Mons is yep. the largest volcano ever discovered. Yep. It towers more than two and a half times the size of Mount Everest. Yep. The, and the peak is so high, there is virtually no atmosphere at its summit. Crazy, right? Mm -hmm. uh, on page 20, you can see Henry Kissinger is attending the party. He's standing just behind Laurie. Where is he? <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, I can't see because it's upside down. There he is. Oh, there, there he is, yeah. of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, on uh, page and I like that G. Gordon Liddy uh, didn't get arrested. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, it's great. Yep. Uh, on and do they kind of intimate that they killed yeah. Woodward and Bernstein? Yeah. They were yeah. found dead in their car. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. Turn, turns out um, <laughs> not everything really works out. Yep. Um, on page 21, you can see a drop of scotch falling onto Blake's smiley face. Yes. Like the blood splatter that will fall on the badge in your shoe one. Fantastic. Yeah. Uh, the, on page 27, you were just at that, the crater that resembles a smiley face is an actual mm. crater. Yep. It was caused by two close meteor strikes and Gibbons is convinced that people probably think they made it up because it's no, so perfect. Yeah, yeah. Um, and here's a nice little uh, squid bit. Each flashback in this chapter ends with the spilling of liquids, which is then repeated in the flash forward of the shattering nostalgia bottle. Mm, very good. Great. Uh, I, really, I really enjoyed rereading this chapter. Yep. 
Yeah, yeah. It's definitely, I think it's one of the densest character-wise and also um, the, uh, just the attention to detail in the art and it's it's fantastic. Did you you feel like this was uh, episode seven? Like it had the same, uh, episode seven of the series kind of has the same, uh, kind of almost has the same rhythm of this chapter. Like even though the story goes back and forth, because you've got Angela bouncing back and forth through her nostalgia trip. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's just really fascinating. Yeah. Uh, you know, just kind of had a similar type of rhythm, I thought. Yeah. So I'd be interested to know if I was... I, like, I don't know if I'm... No, no, there's definitely more resonance. I, I texted you the other day that I'm uh, re-watching the series now. Mm. You've seen every episode more than once, yeah. as, as Alexia has. I haven't. Uh, and it's definitely... I'm, I'm noticing yeah. not just the kind of like, ooh, there's the shadows of the lovers on the wall. Oh, I'm yeah. noticing the real thematic oh, and, yeah. um, structural resonances. There's um, there's some interesting... You know how, uh, especially towards the middle to end of Breaking Bad, there was interesting use of colours. Mm. And uh, this series has had... Uh, and it's been really subtle as well, but you, suddenly you, you go back and you look at stuff, you go, oh, yeah, there's a blue haze uh, yeah, 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 Angela yeah. quite a bit as well. Well, I'd only just noticed that um, Will uh, wears the same colours as Hooded Justice. Yeah. I didn't notice that before. Yeah, I didn't fantastic. notice that the first time either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's... Um, Someone pointed that out. I always try to give uh, shout-outs to the people who point stuff out. It was like, um, God, because I did that uh, Chapter 7, like, because I had a gig and I was recording that at, you know, finished recording and producing it at 2.30 in the morning. And uh, the next day I was at uh, my management and uh, a friend of mine who works there, Austin, was saying to me, oh, yeah, how is it that the the pigs decide on Adrian Veidt's guilty, not guilty? And in... There's a kid holding a pig yeah. in the there, and I was just and when he was telling me because I was so tired, I was like, oh yeah, and then I was like, oh yeah, mm. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So, I think it'll be one of those shows that years from now people yeah. are still going, oh there you go, and there's a little yeah. uh, little bit, yeah. little squid bit. I can't wait. I uh, I'm gonna see if um, uh, you know what. I won't. I won't announce it yet. I won't announce who the the last guest is, but um, oh yeah, I'm gonna see if they, they they'll be up for a. Like now, once once you've seen it, yeah. let's binge this motherfucker. Oh yeah, fantastic! <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And then do yep. something at the end, which would be fantastic. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, okay. Thank you very much, Benjamin. Thank you, Justin. Thank you to Ben, who will return for chapter ten uh, next week, along with Richard Fadler for chapter eleven. I think with the way my work schedule is playing out, I was going to try and get all three out next week, but I don't think it'll happen now. So I think it will be two eps at their usual time next week, and then the final episode will come out the following week, just before the end of the year, which seems like relatively good timing with the way the season has finished. Uh, Then I'll be taking a little break just to get on top of uh, my shows, uh, my live shows and Whovians. Uh, I will bring out just a little one-off special at the start of January, but maybe about just over a week into the new year. And um, look, uh, I have to say I'm not entirely sure. I'm not entirely certain where things are going at the moment, but uh, this podcast will keep the flavour and spirit of season one. But I'm hoping to change it a little and just grow it in slightly different directions, so that way we don't get caught feeling like it's the same thing 
over and over again. I'm not really into repetition, uh, but I, I'll take what I've learned from this, the things that I've liked, and try and spin them in different areas for you. So hopefully you will be into that, and that will, uh, you know, you'll want to go in those directions with me, and uh, hopefully that might uh, entice some people to come and check it out if they're realising that we'll be celebrating and looking at different types of art. So uh, I'll just tell you now, the one-off special won't be about Watchmen, and it won't be about a TV show either. So start theorising, my little squidlets. If you're <laughs> enjoying the... Now, there's such a thing as squidlets. Maybe I... No, it's you guys. You're squidlets, if you want to be. Uh, if you're enjoying the podcast, please give us some nice ratings on your favourite listening platforms. Um, I'll try to find some time to write you another blog before the year ends too, but I'm really running out of hours in the day, but I'll, 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 I'll do what I can. Uh, remember, if you're in Adelaide on the 20th of December, come along to the Rhino Room for their final show of the year and uh, use Big Squid, or one word, to score yourself uh, two-for-one tickets. So, anyway, I'll let it let you go. Can you hear the train in the background? I wonder if I'll find out when I listen back to this. Uh, I hope you're well, and I hope you're feeling inspired. Until then. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.